This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. And then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who's an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, I'm Pat. I'm an alcoholic. AA Preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share the experiences and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denominations, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy neither endorses or opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the, of the disease. After having a first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step programme of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This programme has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. And we're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Hi, I wonder if you could introduce yourselves at, um, and give us a quick background of who you are, your age, maybe what you do for a job and how long you've been sober. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Pat. Um I'm 55. Mm-hmm. I've been sober for coming up 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've been an interior plasterer my whole life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just got children and um, recently uh, due to be divorced. So, you know, life, you know, life still happens. Yeah. Yeah. And what about your childhood? Because you give us a bit of a background of what it was like for you growing up. Um, I grew up in a, um, a middle-class home in, in Shirley in Christchurch. Um, my father was a recovering alcoholic and my um, my mum passed away when I was nine, so my dad had a, um, a partner and she was also in the, in the fellowship as well. She was quite a bit younger than my father, so um, that was uh, it was challenging. It was a challenging time of my life and um yeah it was quite a lonely time yeah. so yeah and could you tell us um when you started drinking and how it progressed um my first drink was when i was quite young when um when my mum my mum had cancer so she was going through they were going around in those days it was there was not really a lot they could do for cancer so there was all these people around that with like we you know change your diet and your food and my father would take my mum to to Wellington to get to have these procedures and stuff like that and of course my mum was a drinker but my dad wasn't um so my mum would bring all the little bottles back from the motel right yeah <laughs> you know and I remember as a kid I remember I remember the sneaky part back then, and I, I, and it, it came to me the other day that I would drink the bourbon out of the bottles and then fill it up with water. Yeah, and I remembered the taste, and I remembered the taste. I remember what, it, and I think it'd be disgusting, but I still went back for more. Yeah, and and that's that's when I started drinking, and then of course, well, not drinking, but I was sort of experimenting. I yeah. suppose is the word. Um, I had older siblings; they were they were heavy drinkers. There was always family parties. I would be sipping the. You know, they're giving me a beer, you know, drinking the froth off the beer, all that sort of stuff. When they were, you know, the next morning I'd be drinking the beer out of the bottles as well. Yeah. Out of the big bottles because I yeah. wanted to be like my brothers and stuff yeah. like that. And then, yeah, and then, you know, it sort of went on for then. It was just experimenting, I suppose. And then I first drunk was when I was about 13 when my sister looked after my dad's house and, um, yeah, she had a few people over and, I got drunk on a bottle of uh, spumente, if you want to call oh, it. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I remember laying on the bed, and I remember that feeling. I rem- I still I, I I still remember that feeling of how I felt, how I, I just like and I spewed everywhere in the bed and all that sort of carry on that happens to a thirteen year old and your head spinning and but I still remember that feeling of not f- not having to feel anything. Yeah, I remember that warm feeling. So yeah, that's that's pretty much my first drink. And how did it progress? Um, well, it, it, it sort of progressed quite slowly, to be honest. I I, um, I, I sort of gravitated towards marijuana, uh-huh. and like for a couple of years, I just because um, you know I started work, so my first the first time I got paid is I bought an ounce of dope, and then I split it up and made more money. Right, and you know, so I was just how like, enterprising, a, a little yeah. bit, you know. <laughs> and then I, I just thought, you know, because you know, when I first started work, I was on seventy five dollars a week, so it wasn't a, you know, it was a lot of money back then. Yeah, but uh, uh, you know, I was I had more as a then. I wanted more. Yeah, you know, and yeah, so then then for about and then I had a girlfriend at that time, and uh, she said to me, "If you don't give up the marijuana, I'm out." So I gave up the marijuana. So that's when the drinking just sort of right. took off. Yeah. And at what stage did you think this isn't working? I've got a problem. I need to do <sighs> something about, about 40. it. Right. <laughs> Forty. You know, from through then, right, my drinking. Yeah, you know, I never. I never. I was. 
I've never been one of those people that I never really cared what people thought. Right. And I um I didn't I didn't hide my drinking. Right. I didn't I didn't I don't know if I maybe I had a big ego about it. I, I just didn't care. Right. I really didn't care because it, it it was just I was so full of hate and anger through my past as a child. Yeah. That it was it was a solution for me. What was happening for you though when you thought this this isn't working? Suicide. I'm, right. I wanted to die. Right. And I'm sitting at my father's house after 40 years. I mean, when I'm 40. Yeah. And I've got a bag of clothes and a van. I had, I mean, I was married and I had um, a 25-acre block. We had boats, everything that opened up. I had a good business, but I just walked out of that because there was something wrong. Yeah. And I couldn't, I never felt happy. I always felt alone. alone. You know, um, the marriage wasn't working. There was... We were cheating on one another. Right. There was all that other stuff, underlying stuff, you know, yeah. selling drugs, you know, growing dope out in the back of the farm, all that just, all that stuff. Yeah. All that stuff, you know. It's funny, isn't it, how we can sometimes look at the outside and sort of think, no, nah, I'm winning. I've got all this stuff and the stuff means nothing, no. you know, and you feel so empty and alone inside. It's just, yeah, 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 yeah. incredible. So tell me how you ended up getting to your first meeting. I, well, as I say, I ended up in my father's house with a bag of clothes and a van and, yeah. and debt to the eyeballs to the Inland Revenue and, and just things were not going very good at all. And I ended up in my father's house, who my father was in re- still in recovery. Yeah. And I was drinking myself to sleep pretty much every night there with, well, because I'm a, I'm a bourbon drinker. I love I love the stuff. Yeah. So um, I was there and I remember saying to my sister, who um, and I said, oh, I just don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah, I feel like I want to die all the time, and I don't. I, I what's wrong? I don't know what's wrong. Yeah, and my brother was actually in the fellowship. He'd been year, sober a year, and he said, "Oh, why don't you come to an AA meeting?" And so I went along, and I, um, yeah, I just there was something about that meeting, even though I'd grown up with AA all my life with my father and Serenity Prayer and all that stuff, all that AA stuff, and AA people staying in my house and people trying to get sober in my house and. I didn't want anything what they had because I was yeah. nothing like those people. Yeah. I didn't want that. And they had they had a spiritual thing which they called God, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So I didn't want any, a part of any of that because it didn't work. Yeah. So um, I went to a meeting and I heard a guy share that I've never met before and he talked about a lot of stuff that I'd never heard about before and I've never heard anywhere apart from an AA room. Yeah. So you mentioned that you've had, that you've got several siblings. So how many are there and how many are at AA? Uh, I have... Seven siblings. Wow. Uh, yeah, I have uh, to my to my mum's side, and um, Tasha is my half sister, and my my half brother Scott, the to my dad's new partner Kathy, but their dad passed away. So um, those two are in AA, and my other siblings are not. Right. Is it good having siblings in AA? At times. <laughs> At times, because it makes me more accountable. Yeah. You can't hide. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and 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 what's your life now? If you look at the pat now, and the relationships that you have, and I guess how you feel about yourself and your future, how does that compare to to what your life was like in addiction? Polar opposites. It's um. Uh, how do I explain it? Really, it's just about um, because I got I, I got sober and I have an AA sponsor and I come to AA and do all those little things that I need to do to stay sober. Um, 
my life has grown into I've grown into a different person. I feel like I've grown up in Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Um, emotionally available. I was never emotionally available. Yeah. Um, I can actually, I can look at. It's given me the tools to look at my part and everything that I do. Right. And what's my motives? Yeah. Because, you know, we all have motives and expectations. Be human. AA's given me the ability to go back and look back and go, well, why am I doing that? For what? what what's my gain out of it? You know what I mean? It's it's given it's given me far more than than just putting down a drink. Yeah. And I never have thought that I thought that that's what AA was. Yeah. I wanted to stop drinking, but it's taught me. I had I've grown up in here. Yeah. Some people in AA say that emotionally you stop growing. Uh, when you pick up a drink, so that often we can be trapped in our childhood years. Is that is that oh, true 100%, for you? Hundred yeah. percent. I was a child in a man's body. Yeah. You know, I was, I, I acted childishly all the time. Yeah. I was a victim. Yeah. I played victim card all the time. You know, poor me, poor me, and then I'd have another drink. The poor me's to go away. Yeah. You know, but then when you come to AA, they've got to do, you know, and and I. I want to do something different. I want to be something different. You know, I've been sitting at my father's house. I want to die. Yeah. I don't feel like that today because I come to AA. Yeah. How important do you think um, sponsorship is in your recovery? <sighs> it's probably the most important thing. Yeah. For me, I believe. Because left to, uh, sponsoring myself has been sponsored by a dickhead. <laughs> You know, because I, 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 I'm. Is it is that what you did for a while? Oh, I've had a go at it. Of course, right. I have. Yeah, yeah, I've had a go. Yeah, I tried for. You know, I got the, the I got I got all that stuff back where I got the house, yeah. the wife, the flash, the flash house, yeah, and Rolleston and new kid, new, new babies, and yeah. I stayed away from AA because my, I thought my life was was great. I soon found out that's not the truth because yeah. all that stuff went away. They do say that everything you put before your recovery is the first things that you lose, which yeah, yeah. is, yeah. yeah. You lose your sanity. Yeah. And if you start to go, you know, well, that's what it was like when I started to go insane. Right. Because I thought I was I was fixed. Yeah. So so what what are some of the tools that you use now to make sure that you're sober and happy, I guess, that, that life is working for you? I mean, life on life's terms is working for you as well as it can. Um. The pretty pretty simple things, really. Um, I do three to four meetings a week. Mm-hmm. I have a sponsor that I contact all the time. When I um, if I if I if I get some great idea in my mind about you know I need to, what do you think about and then, so if I run it past him, it, and that and my sponsor is not emotionally attached to me, so I've learned that if I go to my family and go, hey, what do you think about this? I go, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. They'll jump on board with it. But my sponsor gives me of, you know, hey, the objective for going, well, my experience, this is what happened for me because I did that. Yeah. So that, that's that been the main tool for me. Yeah. It's being teachable because I've, I've always been defiant. Yeah. You know, I because I struggled at school, I was defiant. So I had to, I had to, um, I had to make up for that. By being defiant and disruptive, and you know that just carried on in my drinking. Yeah, you know. So, what does the future look like for you now? Oh, who knows? Are you excited about of it? Of course, though? I am. I wouldn't. Be, yeah, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't excited. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. If I, if I could, if I could stay out of, if I, if, I suppose when they talk about control drinking, if I could control my drinking, I wouldn't be in AA. Yeah. So I, I'm. 
coming here and doing doing this this morning as a little bit of service, and it might help one. If it helps one person, well, it's it's a win win. Yeah. And I haven't done anything. All I've done is just shared my story and my experience. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that it can mean so much. It can make the difference between. Yeah. Because I, I, for me personally, I never, it wasn't until I, I had that first conversation with someone who was alcoholic, I could let the guards down and actually tell the truth mm-hmm. for the first time in years. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's quite a miraculous thing, mm. that idea of, um, of one alcoholic talking to another. 100%. What about, um, you know, AA is described as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean for you? Well, spirituality is in, in the group, you know, being in the pe- being with the people in AA. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are like thirty and forty years sober that have got fantastic lives. They don't go on about what they've got in their shed or what how big their house is. They talk about the spiritual peace they have in their life. Yeah. So if I've got to do, if you know, sometimes I've got to smash my ego to actually be in a place of being able to pray about something. Yeah. You know, um, my sponsor is big on prayer. Um, and it's not, it's not a, it's not a, um, a, a, a program of, you know, I have to go and deliver Bibles around at people's houses. It doesn't say that. Yeah. Doesn't say, I've never had to, never, no one's ever told me I have to do that. Yeah. I've just got to get the concept of a spiritual life and my higher power, whatever I choose to call that, yeah. Which I choose to call God works good for me. Yeah. Because left to my own devices I'm I'm not going good. Yeah. <laughs> and and what would you say a life lived on a spiritual basis looks like? Uh freedom, peace, um being emotionally available again, mm-hmm. um current with people, being able to sit here and talk to you and be, you know, look you in the eye and actually not think, well, you know, it's just a spiritual moment talking to someone about alcoholism. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's it's given me all that stuff because I could never look anyone in the eye. So, so I mean, I, I'm just interested in the point you raised before that AA has given you so much more. You mm. know, you said you went to stop drinking, um, and and then so can you tell me more about what you got out of it than rather than just the. Um. Or what's um, it's given me? It's it's really hard to put into words. But it's given me far more than I ever expected, which is peace. Yeah. You know, if, if I've got a peaceful life where I can sit in my house, my house, well, you know, I, mean, I live by myself when I don't have my children because I have my children seven days on, seven days off. I live by myself. I don't need anyone. I don't need any. It's not that it's not that I don't want to be around people, but that's that freedom of not feeling alone. Yeah. Not I, I'm, I'm never alone because I've got my higher power with me. I've got the phone. I can talk to another alcoholic. You know, there's, I have a sponsor. Yeah. You know, what if I sit on, I sit on my butt and don't take any action, then I've, I'm, I'm generally not going very good. Yeah. <laughs> you know. If, if, if there are listeners out there and they're sort of thinking, I don't know if I've got a drinking problem or I don't know what to do next, are there any questions that you would suggest that they ask themselves if they wanted to know if they've got a drinking problem? Um, How's it affecting your life? Mm-hmm. How's it affecting the people around you? How do, do do you know? I mean, for me, when my drinking, I would never get invited to family do's because I, they didn't want me there. Yeah, you know. So all those all those things that happen through my drinking, all my actions, 
that affect that can they said they reckon that can affect up to twenty one people in your life. Right. And you oh, fa- I bet it does. Yeah, probably yeah. more. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know who I've affected because I'm a blackout drinker, so yeah. um, I'll probably never know that. But um, yeah, if 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 you think you have an issue, well, come along and have a listen. No one's going to hold a no one's going to hold you to ransom. Yeah, you don't have to stay. You can come and have a listen and see. You know, because that's all we've all done. Yeah, we've been to our first AA meeting where we've had to. You know, do I have a problem? If you've got a cold, do you go to your doctor? You know, if you've got cancer, where do you go? Yeah. You know, if you think you've got alcoholism, if you have a problem with it, if it's really affecting your life, what do you got to lose? Indeed. Pat, thanks so much for coming into the show today and sharing your story with us. Mm. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or you'd like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up at the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experiences. Our show is every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesdays at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past show on the Plains FM website website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. If you want to stop, we can help and you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant grant me the serenity serenity to accept accept the things things I I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.